Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Dai Lee, and that was Lisa Chow with the crystal singing ball. And do it from Melbourne. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good, thank you, Dai. It has been a long time. It sure has. Oh my God, that was so relaxing. Oh, well, look, for those who don't know, Lisa Chow is a social entrepreneur, an influential social entrepreneur, uh, as well as a multicultural campaigner. Uh, Anything around the equity, diversity and inclusion space, uh, Wisa is there, you know, um, a a strong advocate in that space. So, so glad that she's joining us. And uh, she's joining us today to talk about her upcoming campaign in the Melbourne City Council election on October the 24th. Is that right, Wisa? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and tell us, you are doing something, you are leading the ticket. What does it all mean? Yeah, so I'm going to be the Deputy Lord Mayor candidate in the upcoming election. And in City of Melbourne, the voting system is a little bit strange, where we have a leadership team, which is consists of the Lord Mayor and the Deputy Lord Mayor. And then you've got the councillor ticket, which operates similar to a Senate ticket. Right, okay. And so I'll be on the leadership team ticket. Is that uh, is that an unusual thing to happen? Yeah, it is very unusual. So for other councils, it is you get elected to the council first and then the councillors decide who their mayor would be. Whereas in City of Melbourne, people actually have a have an opportunity to select their Lord Mayor and Deputy Lord Mayor directly. Ah, okay. So it's a popularly elect- elected Mayor and Deputy Mayor. So it's opera- It's almost like a presidency kind of election. Campaign, that's right. Um, and for yeah. those uh, Australians in particular in Australia who are listening to this uh, vodcast, uh, our local government election, different states have different systems. Uh, and as we just explained, some councils area would elect councillors and then those councillors determined who the mayor is. Whereas in some councils, and in the case of Melbourne City Council, the people of that city uh, elect the mayor and in your case, the deputy mayor as well. Exactly. And is that something we should be really kind of yay about? I don't know. Like, you know, like to, uh, if, if you don't understand the political process, how significant is that move? It is quite significant because, like I said, because the Deputy Lord Mayor and the Lord Mayor, they are in the leadership team almost like a president. So the president and the vice president of City of Melbourne, for those who don't understand Australian politics, you can probably think about it from the US presidency election. So that's why it's quite significant. And I guess from my perspective, I'm also on the Labor team. So our team has been endorsed by the Australian Labor Party. And the reason why it's significant is because we haven't, the Labor Party hasn't actually endorsed a ticket for many years. It's um, been last century since our since we had the last um, endorsement right. by the Labor Party. Yeah, so it's um, it's it's quite significant for that reason, and um, seeing how that 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 uh, pans out because uh, the the there had been a long time where the Labor Party have decided well. 
we won't endorse any yeah. it's not just for city of melbourne but also other local councils as well so in the whole of victoria we've decided not to but it's been uh we've we've decided that we will for this particular election so it is quite significant from my perspective to be endorsed by my uh, political party what has the journey been like uh you know uh, I, I, look i mean that's a big question in a sense that where 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 you're going to ask me where you're going to start what was it like then uh to get to this position to be on this ticket to be endorsed and to run this you know equivalent to president vice presidency campaign Uh, you know what was the process like so just for this particular election or the whole process? Let's look at this particular election and we'll go to the whole process in a minute. <laughs> um, I mean, for, I, I guess with all political, um, count, well, any any pre-selection, you go through a pre-selection process where you nominate yourself, you put your name in and uh, people get to vote. And I think... This time, because it was the first time that the Labor Party have actually endorsed a ticket, there were probably not too many people who probably realised that we were actually endorsing a ticket. So in many ways, it was quite um, a, a not difficult process this time. Right. But you can imagine most pre-selection processes can be quite contentious. Very contentious and very, uh, some people would say quite toxic yeah so not at all for this one right so very lucky um to to be in that um situation uh it it might not be the same in a couple of years time when we have pre-sections again for you know next next um council election uh so what are the chances of you getting elected being on an endorsed ticket uh, it's actually hard, really hard to know, like I said, because we haven't actually endorsed a ticket for a long, long time. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the, the Labor brand in the city of Melbourne is still quite well known, uh, even though we have had a lot of fights with the Greens in the past. Uh, but at the same time, though, in the city of Melbourne, we also, the other different thing with city of Melbourne is that businesses actually get two votes. Right. As opposed to residents and landlords who only get one. And so because of that, um, it's, uh, it, it is geared towards um, the business vote. And, uh, and, and Labor has always been very good to small businesses and that's what a lot of the obviously local council businesses would be about, small businesses. So I think it, it's hard to know because we haven't tested it. So it will be a really interesting election coming up. It will be in particular with what Daniel Andrews um, has been doing in terms of COVID uh, to Victoria. Uh, A lot of restrictions, uh, I believe, a further two weeks extension. So by the time this probably goes to air, that you would have come through the two weeks further restriction that he he has just recently announced um, to Victorians. Um, but do you think, I mean, the, his decisions, the policies around um, COVID-19 has really impacted small business. How is that going to play out, do you think? Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, there's a lot of people who do understand that this is about 
health concerns. So, yes, it, it is impacting on businesses. But at the same time, I think people do understand that this is also about protecting lives and saving lives as well. So, and, and it's very unfortunate to see so many people who've caught COVID and unfortunately passed away as well. So I think um, it, it is going to be a balance. Uh, but I think the restriction is actually impacting on our campaign as well. So it's not just the businesses, it's actually on political campaigns as well where we're not really allowed to do much for campaigning apart from Zoom meetings, apart from oh, phone calls. My God, so you you can't even go out there to shake hands with people to do what normally in campaigning people do or like, uh, you know, being, being involved in political campaigning, you go out to have stalls and you meet with people, you handshake. So you can't do any of that? You no, of that. not at all. So uh, we can't even do lifting. So you can't even do lift, lift dropping, like dropping? No, no, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So... So it is impacting on campaigning as well. So we there, there is one thing that we can do. We can use post office, um, but obviously that, that has cost. a cost as well. That's right. Wow. So um, how do you get your message uh, across to the people of Melbourne City? How do they know who you are? How do they know who they're going to vote for? Yeah, through online, through phone calls, uh, through uh, Zoom meetings and going to as many forums as i can so as, pretty much pretty much oh, so i'd be you know going through linkedin seeing what's going on and just join in and if there's opportunities to talk i'll you know jump in and you know say a few words so <laughs> it is interesting times oh my gosh uh well i hope probably through all of those you know all of those zoom meetings that's, that's probably why you got to turn to crystal ball singing just to keep up some, some sort of centeredness, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's definitely helping me, that's for sure. <laughs> now, you've been involved in politics for a long time, haven't you, Wisa? Tell us a bit yes. about when did you join the Labor Party and why did you join the Labor Party? Yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I'm not one of those people who started off um, 16 or 18 really wanting to be involved in politics, partly because of my migrant background. Uh, it's uh, when, when you're, I suppose, you know, being from a Chinese-Australian background, we talk a lot about being, you know, doctors and engineers and accountants. Um, politician is definitely not one of those no, professions. I can relate to that. <laughs> Uh, but then what happened was I started doing a lot of work with international students and did a, uh, so I've, I started the Australian Federation of International Students and was fighting for the rights of international students at the time. And what I discovered through that journey was the importance of getting involved in politics and what you can actually achieve through politics. And during that time, I did a lot of work with some of the members of parliament and many of them were Labor. And I couldn't actually get any meetings with the Liberal Liberal Party in Victoria at the time because international students were not voters and people were just, just weren't interested. 
And uh, through working with some of the Labor MPs, I got got to realise, you know, how important it is and to be able to push some of the ideas that we wanted to achieve. Um, and because of that work, and I was I participated on the Ministerial Council for Overseas Students at the time, and because of that advocacy, it resulted in the International Student Care Service which is kind of like a support centre for international students. So it was a big thing at the time. Uh, and now it's um, transformed to Study Melbourne. Mm, mm. But, um, yeah, so it was actually through that work I realised, okay, well, politics can actually change lives. So you you thought or you felt that there was a, an opportunity to, to give voice to a particular group of, of people within the Victorian or Victoria yeah, so because I'm type of person who, well, if I've done nothing, then I really don't have a right to complain. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but then if I have, if I've tried yeah. and did everything I can and it's still not happening, then I have a right to say, well, the government is not listening or the government is not doing anything. So I've kind of taken that approach. Um, it's it's kind of the balance between advocacy and and uh, being in government as well. So um, understanding the the interface, I guess, between the community and government, and how that we can actually make that work. And you've ran before, haven't you, for a federal seat? If memory serves yeah. Me right. Yeah, so I ran in 2013 in the city of Higgins uh, and that was a very, um, I guess, blue ribbon Liberal Party seat and at the time I was running against Kelly O'Dwyer. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did you know what you were doing? Yeah, it was good fun. It was actually genuinely good fun. So what have you learned? So what? how long now have you been involved in politics? Or almost a decade? Uh, 2004. So it's been 16, 16 years now. Wow. My God. That's a long journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, initially when I joined the party, it was just I just wanted to join the party and uh, basically see how how I can contribute to the party. It was in 2013 that I got much more involved in politics. Um, well, being a candidate makes you kind of uh, yeah. be, be involved a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you can talk about that experience, uh, some of if, uh, what there are ebbs and flows, you know, in life. Uh, what are some of those ebbs and flows in that political journey of yours? Um, I think in terms of, you know, getting involved in politics, it, it's been, it really has been a journey. So I think getting involved, being a candidate, I started to understand, um, it's, it's actually quite interesting. So it's almost like overnight, as soon as you become a candidate, everything that you've done in the community beforehand just change from people's perception. It's like, oh, now you're a politician, so you must be a bad person, rather than actually um, seeing the person as the whole to say, well, actually, no, this person have actually done a lot of things in the past. Now they've decided to put their hands up to run in politics. I think that is something that I um, find quite interesting. Mm. 
So, so what what did you learn? What were some of those moments when um, you felt that you know I've done this much and I, now I believe I'm in a position to be able to influence another level? Um, but by the sound of it, you sound it sounded as if you were. Um, I don't know if it's attacked the right word to use here uh, by people in the community. What did that make you feel then if that was was happening to you? Yeah, it, it was um, it was difficult. It was uh, it was a journey for me to understand. Well, now people actually see me as part of the government and therefore I'm responsible. But then at the same time, you don't want to take it on fully yourself as well, because uh, you know, some of the policies that that any political parties come up with, you're not necessarily responsible as a candidate. I was going to say, because you're a candidate, you're not even in government. I mean, you're running to get in. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's how, how the difficult that? part. Yeah, how to explain it to people. Like you're not actually elected. <laughs> and, and you can't. And for a lot of people, they wouldn't they wouldn't take it. Because you're a candidate for the Labor Party, therefore any Labor policies, you must be responsible. And it's almost like if you work for ANZ and there's something happening in the board, are you then responsible? It's, it's almost like that, right? Well, they reckon if you're on the board of the ANZ, then you would be responsible. Yes, but then not if you're a staff member oh, or, not you know, if you're, yeah, working. Not if you're staff, yeah. yeah, that's right. So if your staff is, you're different. You're, you know, but if you're on the top senior leadership team, then that will be, you, you would be saying, they'd say that, well, you're at the board. So while you might not be involved in the operations, you know, but you are supporting, condoning the culture, the policy, whatever of that organisation, if you're at the senior leadership role. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, you know, the the equivalent would be if you're in cabinet, then of course you're responsible. Yeah. But then if you're a candidate, you're um, well, almost like a staff. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just a candidate, you, you know, you're not even yeah. in, in there yet. But so, so for you, what um, it's uh, 16 years is a long journey. Um, and what have been some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? not just for the Labour Party, but in politics as a woman uh, of Asian heritage as well? Um, actually, it's interesting because I'm currently doing my PhD looking at political skills. And when I say political skills, people always think, you know, it's the, it's the policies and it's about good policy making. But actually, political skills is really about getting things done in a, in a political setting. Um, and, I mean, there might be good policies, maybe there are bad policies as well, like in the mix. It depends on, you know, where you stand, what your values are. So it's not really, it, there's no right policy, if that sort of makes sense, mm. because, you know, if you're on different political parties, you'll have different right policies. Um, but in looking at that, what really jumped out at me when I was, you know, doing the data analysis um, so there's one component of political skills which is about relationship building mm -hmm. and it is about building trust. And that was one of my weakest point when it comes to political parties. Um, and it's it's harder because you you don't 
really know how to engage with um, people within the party. Um, and a lot of people, especially when you're younger, uh, they, they do a lot of pubs and drinks and all that that I didn't really enjoy doing, which meant that it was much harder for me to build that relationship with the people within the party. The networking. And exactly, exactly. Um, so I can build a relationship with my community. So I, I might have really good relationship with, you know, the Chinese Australian community and the Asian Australian community. But then when it comes to, um, and, and also the multicultural communities as well. Um, but then when it comes to the uh, traditional, very Anglo culture, that's when uh, it, it took a bit more time and effort. Um, it, it took a lot of time to actually observe what they do. I mean, even if you don't do the, you know, young labor or, or you know, people on the other side, young liberal events, uh, you still get involved in um, a lot of other events. And I think the Labor Party have also started to open up a little bit to have more women events, women-friendly events, um, campaigning that are more uh, suitable for women. And so the party have actually opened up to start doing that. And through watching that process, I started to understand, oh, okay, so there might be opportunities to actually bring in the cultural diversity as well. Mm. So obviously it sounds like uh, major parties, not just Labor but other major parties, I mean, there are only two mainly at the moment, uh, are seeing, are you saying they are now um, more alert to, or more aware, not alert, more aware to the fact that there are culturally diverse, you know, people like yourself, candidates or members of the public who might want to join the party. Um, but, but not just that, because, I mean, the non-English speaking population have always joined the major parties. Like, you know, we have all of those branch stacking stories, as as you've seen in Melbourne, the branch stacking stories in, in Melbourne uh, by the Labour Party and, and also the Liberal Party. But um, but you're saying that they're more open now to creating an atmosphere whereby people like yourself and women in particular are able to meet and network or network in the corporate sense, but in, in the political sense, get together and talk and find some kind of connection so that they can actually you know, connect and, and learn and, and hopefully grow and develop relationships? Yeah, um, that's exactly right. And uh, so it's, it's actually a great thing to, to see because what I've started to realise, because in the past few years I've also started Polyversity, which is to bring cultural diversity within the Labor Party. Um, and initially I thought, oh, this is not, you know, it's not really achieving anything. But after a couple of years, now I realised that the conversations that we had around the country to MPs are actually having an impact. At least they're thinking about it. it. hasn't happened yet because, you know, politics takes a long time, right? So understand and, and accept that things can't change within like two years. We, we all think that it should, but it doesn't. And also starting to hear stories from MPs, even if they want to push for something, even with their roles, it takes about two years. So, For those who are listening to the word MPs means members of parliament. MPs, yes, that's it. Sorry, that's it. yeah. So yeah. just in case we're international, we do have international viewers and they might think, what's MPs? What's MPs is members of parliament. Um, so, so your 
you know, you said that you got involved in politics due through the international students' um, cause. Um, but what is it that drives you? What what fuels you, Wisa? Uh, it's really about good decision making and good policy making. Um, because I believe in having diversity for the reason of ensuring that we create good policies. And we've seen in many uh, research to know that if you've got a diverse team, it means that you take more perspectives into account and therefore policy development becomes more um, suitable for the wider community. So that that's what drives me. Good policy so that you can, uh, are you saying in seeing good policies, you can see good solutions for society? Is that what you're trying to do? Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that when we make policies, culturally diverse communities is not an afterthought, that um, people understand that, well, if we're going to have this policy, then it's going to impact the community in this way. Um, at least if it is considered and we still decide to, you know, go down a particular policy path, that's okay, but at least we've considered it. You're also the CEO of Cultural Intelligence. Yes, that's it. So what is the work that you do there and how aligned is that with the work that you're doing or what you're trying to achieve through the political path? Yeah, so uh, for cultural intelligence, I work with businesses and organisations to think about cultural diversity. And that's why I bring that uh, understanding and framework to 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 uh, whatever I do as well. And uh, with, for example, with businesses, it might be thinking about how how do they recruit and retain culturally diverse staff and also how to develop them so that they're actually um, advancing in their careers as well because we also know that there's a lot of uh, especially Asian Australians who get to a certain level in their organisation and can't continue further in their careers and I mean I mean, just recently, I think, um, even SBS, um, we had people talking about, oh, you know, it's just about the the presenters that needs to be diverse. It doesn't have to be senior management. Well, that's I believe that's wrong. Um, and, and the reason why I think it's wrong is because when you create um, policies and and um, procedures and thinking and um, when you consider the whole organisation, if you don't have the diverse component and thinking into how you make the decision, it's not going to be suitable for certain people. So you might say, oh, well, we can just get culturally diverse presenters, but what about, but what if your um, your uh, HR policy doesn't actually suit people of colour? So you can't attract them, you can't retain them, and so even if you do attract them, they will leave. Mm. Talking about um, the lack of diversity, uh, you know, in 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 those senior leadership positions. Uh, I mean, as you know, I'm also passionate about that space, uh, but I I believe that that the, the the talent pool that we might have some people there, but probably perhaps they're not there yet in a sense that they have not always, as, as you've described, uh, kind of alluded to before, the networking, the going out there, the drinking beers and the kind of matey kind of environment that, that re- would require for you to succeed or, or grow through building that relationship to step up. If you're not part of that and 
doing that uh, networking, doing that kind of going out there and mixing with the right crowd, if I can put it that way, if people um, don't do that, then they don't have the network to really, um, I suppose, progress, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so that's why I also started last year um, the A-plus Influencers, and that was a program I've developed with um, with uh, two other people, Christine and John, to actually help people develop the skills innate that enables them to, to do that and do it in a, such a way that is authentic. And I think one of the things that even for me, like, okay, well, I don't, necessarily enjoy always going to the pub but then I might be able to go once in a while so and and doing it in such a way that it, I'm not I'm not actually changing myself necessarily but then adapting to to different circumstances so you, you obviously acknowledge that there are some of those soft skill set that people like you and I, I don't drink either, but, <laughs> you know, I can go down to the pub and sit there and have a glass of orange juice and let them drink away. But taking that first step, isn't it, to go, I mean, not necessarily to the pub, really. I mean, it's a two-way thing because if, if that group of people feel that we are uncomfortable in a pub-setting environment, maybe once in a while they go to a restaurant or, a, you know, to, to a hot, hot pot. pot. <laughs> That's right, to a hot pot. So, you know. I think creating that inclusive mindset is very important, I, I believe. And there are things that we can do as well. So like the first few times you might join them at the pub, but then next time you might suggest, hey, why don't we go hot pot? Yeah, that's right. And they might actually enjoy it, right? <laughs> oh, they, I'm sure they will. <laughs> now, what's, what, has, um, what has been some of the challenges along the um, the journey that you have made in in politics uh lots um are there any dark moments a really kind of down moments when you think listen i don't think i can continue this any longer <laughs> well failing in pre-selection is you know it it does get to you um, but then at the same time, I've often hear a lot of um, people who have been elected now, they've also gone through it themselves. So realising it is not only a person of colour who would go through something like that. It's not just only women that would go through failures. Uh, and to but be able that, to balance is, But is that failure? Because it's the system. It's got to do with numbers. So would you see yourself as failing to be pre-selected? Um, the first time you would see it as failing, absolutely. <laughs> um, but then after the talk with yourself, you realise that it's actually part of the journey. It's it's actually not, as you said, it's actually not failing. It's actually part of the journey and also a journey to start to have more people get to know you as well because through those experiences you do a lot of um, campaigning you call a lot of people, a lot of um, members within the party. And one thing that I'm um, starting to appreciate a lot more is actually uh, grassroots members within political parties because when you run campaigns, like when I was running for Higgins, there were so many people that come out to help and volunteer in my campaign. I don't even know them. And, and so, and yes, they are actually campaigning for the values 
but then at the same time, I mean, even just thinking about sometimes our own communities, unless you know them, you might not actually go and help them, right? But the fact that they do, because it takes a lot of time, sometimes getting up early in the morning, giving out flyers at train stations, it can be quite daunting. Mm. Um, and so I've started to appreciate you know, grassroots members a lot more now because, um, you know, just the time they, they actually spent on on campaigning. And if you ask, you know, are there any volunteers, there will always be some people who say, yes, I'm happy to, you know, do some phone calling and hand out flyers and things like that. So were there moments when you say, were, you, were there moments where you would have thought to yourself, that's it, I'm, I don't think I can continue down this path, it's just too much? Absolutely. <laughs> there were moments like that for sure. Um, Can because you give us a glimpse about what happened when you, you know, an example? Is there something that you can give us? Um, yeah, sometimes even just arguing with people why is it important to have cultural diversity? Uh, and sometimes, really, after really intense arguments with people about that, it's like, why do I even bother? Like I, I can easily, and sometimes it can get quite intense, right? And people have their, you know, really strong views. I'm like, you know, I thought this is, um, we shouldn't even be arguing whether or not there should be diversity. It shouldn't, you know, people even. should actually know. And and those moments, and, and sometimes they come in like sets where you might have a big argument with someone and then another argument with another person and then an argument with another group. And then, and then also then you might have people from your own community who say, oh, you know, it, it, it's just the way it is, right? And, and when you start to explain to them, you know, why, why you should actually get involved in politics and all that, they're like, oh, no, not really. Yeah, I know. They don't want to get, you know, it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and that's actually more demoralising. It's like I'm, I'm fighting hard for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to make it easier for people who are coming up in the future. But then at the same time, you're not appreciating it. Mm. So not only have you just had a really serious argument with somebody and then you've got people in your community saying, oh, no, you don't need to do that. Yeah. So do you um, turn to anybody for, I mean, do you, in business you have coaches, you have mentors. Uh, one of the things I have found lacking um, is, is the, you know, within the political arena is a mentor or coaches. You know, you can get a business coach, for instance, but can you get a political coach? Somebody can coach you through politics. Yeah, so I have accumulated a few over the years. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah. So just people I can talk to. They're not necessarily mentors or coaches per se. It's just people I, you know, pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, can we just have a chat kind of thing. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because that's also a journey uh, in actually finding the people because when I first got into politics, um, I thought, oh, you know, in politics you can trust no one. <laughs> that's the perception I had. Mm. 
And I don't know where that came from, but I think it's just a perception that people have. You can't trust any politicians. But then you realise that unless you actually open up to people, people don't open up to you either. And so it, that, again, is also a journey to understand, well, who you can trust, who you can't trust. And there are always good people as well as bad people. Yep, absolutely. And uh, so do you think now you've got to the stage whereby you can ascertain or you can say, this is the person that I can go to for this and I can trust them, trust them um, to give me the, the relevant or appropriate advice for my for what I'm about to do, is there enough yes. of that in your uh, around around you? Yes. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. That's good because that's very important, you know. Yeah, it's um, and, and with um, political parties, everything shifts very quickly, right? So, um, having those advice and having people that I can speak to, uh, it's it's very important. So, what have been some of the highlights? Well, some of the highlights, um, when you start to actually get things going and you feel like, oh, my God, you know, some of the work actually paid off, that's some of the highlights. So last year I was working with the Labor Academy on the Labor Diversity Fellowship and that was a program for culturally diverse young people to understand the party a bit more and some of the, you know, history of labour, understanding, you know, how, how pol Australian politics works and also for us to also get a much better understanding on other cultural communities because sometimes we always think, oh, yeah, you know, Chinese people are always like this and nobody understands. Mm. But then you realise actually other culturally diverse communities also have very similar uh, situations and um, and and community politics happening as well, yeah. and so there's a lot of sharing and understanding between different cultural groups. Because I think um, in the past uh, there has always been like you know you've got your Chinese group, you've got your Indian groups, and then you've got your whatever groups, right? Vietnamese but I group. think <laughs> yeah, Vietnamese groups absolutely. And then I, I think it's time for us to actually bring all these groups together. And share our um, our experiences, but also help each other out. Mm, mm. You think you're getting there with it, with that, with, uh, that, with that idea? Is that, is, is, is that idea taking some sort of form or shape? <laughs> it is an idea that is starting to take shape, and I think it it is up to the younger people to do that as well. Um, because it's much easier for the younger generation to, um, you know, go to another community function and feel at home. And, um, you know, uh, having friends, I I'm sure there's a lot of culturally diverse um, or any young people having culturally diverse friends. And so it's a lot easier for people to start doing that for that reason. But then it, it is still a journey, though. We, we're still not quite there, but I think we're getting there. Well, well, thank you. On that note, <laughs> thanks so much for your time, Wisa, and uh, wishing you luck on October the 24th. I hear that you're not going to be handing out any how to vote on the day, but it's postal vote. Absolutely, yes. I don't know how you're going to do that, but um, good luck. Thank you. I'll, I'll rely on Dawncast to spread 
the word. I will spread the word. So I will definitely share and, uh, you know, and and uh, making sure that, you know, people get some an insight into, you know, a glimpse of that political journey anyway. And uh, really wishing so, you so much luck, Wisa, and I hope you, you know, you've, gosh, you put your, a lot of, uh, of your your energy and your passion into it. So I would like to see you succeed. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that's it from me. I'm Daily at Dawncast. And if you like to hear more stories like this, please make sure you click on the bell button, subscribe below and subscribe to our channel, uh, www.youtube.com forward slash Dawncast. So talk to you soon. Bye.